This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. Aging is compounded wear and tear of the body that takes over many, many years, especially if during decades we haven't done anything to create more space in the body, to work against gravity, to preserve the well-functioning of our bodies. It's not just one thing. It's one thing on top of another, on top of another, and this compounded effect is actually crushing. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. On today's show, we'll find out the four things to do to keep strong, agile, and fit as we age. We'll learn how to train for summer sports. We'll discuss mindfulness and self-compassion. And lastly, we'll hear about the hottest food this summer, Beyond Meat. But first, a little bit of business. Vital Directives is a center committed to helping people ignite their innate healing power and remove the barriers of fear that keep them in pain. Through changing their client's mindset and teaching them to connect with their body, the Vital Directive's step-by-step process helps them focus, feel safe, and get immediate relief. Their process involves removing the physical limitations induced by chronic pain while creating personalized, high-level self-care and preventative measures. They believe that significantly reducing chronic pain is just the first step. Through powerful physical exercises and mindset shifts, coupled with solid support system, they inspire people to transform from the inside out. For more information, visit their website at vitaldirectives.com. Roxandra Mitria is a mind-body coach, author, and the founder of Vital Directives, a leading center for vibrant and healthy living, preventative health, wellness, growth, and rejuvenation. The Vital Directives tagline, Awaken Your Body, Celebrate Life, is her motto. She has an unwavering belief in each person's inherent capacity for healing. Having had her own experience with the limitations created by chronic pain, she created a unique process that allowed her to heal her body. Roxandra has dedicated her professional life to teaching her clients the process that will ignite their innate healing capacity, significantly reducing chronic pain while developing the skills to create and maintain pain-free and active lives. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here again. Yeah. We've got a big topic today, right? It's yes. a big it's a big chunk. We're yes. not talking about little things. We're not talking about micromanaging. We're talking about those things that we have to do mm-hmm. in order to stay healthy, fit, and strong as we age. That's a big topic. It is a big topic. So with all big topics, we've got to wade into it. And that happens with all big topics. We've got to figure out where the starting point is. And I guess we should talk a little bit about what happens when we age. Well, the way I consider aging is might be a little bit different, maybe uh, not that many details, but basically aging is compounded wear and tear of the body that takes over many, many years, especially if uh, during decades we haven't done anything to create more space in the body, to work against gravity, to, to preserve the well-functioning of our bodies. So if we haven't done anything like this in our 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, now if we get to be 70 or 80, it's not just one thing. It's one thing on top of another, on top of another. And this compounded effect is actually crushing. That's not an, an easy, like an yeah. easy chosen word. It's crushing. It can be. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, you, you talked about 20s, 30s and 40s. It's interesting because 
I think when people lead active lives in their 20s and 30s, they're doing it because they enjoy it and it's part of what they do. But it isn't necessarily in their mind, oh, I've got to be doing this now because I'm laying the groundwork for when I age. Yes. And I think if you told somebody in their 20s or 30s that it was necessary to do it, they might look at you and say, okay, yeah, but I'll I'll get to it eventually. And then you sort of, I think of aging as the time you first recognize, oh, it might be too late. I better get on my horse and start doing something (laughs) because, you know, it's all downhill from here. You know, I'm not going to necessarily get stronger. I may maintain my strength. Mm-hmm. I may maintain my mobility and my flexibility, but it doesn't get easier. And I think when we start waking up with creaks and cracks and oomphs and ahs in the morning, yes. I think that's when we turn our minds to, oh, I'm aging. I've got to deal with this. Yes, indeed. There, there are two things that from um, what you said that I yeah. would like to touch on. Sure. First is... I believe that even right now, um, in the twenty, in our twenties, thirties, forties, we work out for completely different reasons than preserving our bodies. And I think that this is a change in, in the way we think as a society that has to occur at some point. I agree. But also, I think that those workouts done that way and that at that stage of our lives are actually contributing. To oh, our 100%. wear and tear, we're not working out to to keep our bodies well functioning. We're we're actually contributing to the to the extreme wear and tear that a lot of people see these days. I agree. I I think when we're in our twenties and thirties, we're probably strong enough that it isn't doing that much long term damage. But I know from what I did when in my when I was in my forties, trying to play catch up, trying to lose <laughs> weight, trying to get healthy, I certainly put a lot of stress on my body. You know, forcing workouts, which in my mind were necessary to get me where I wanted to be with my health. But your yes. point is well taken. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm going to go back to what you said a little bit earlier, because um, you said that it's not happening as fast when we're older, yeah. that it takes longer, that now it's downhill. Well, I have to tell you that in, in um, at Vital Directives, we see the exact opposite oh, good. effect. Because well, I'm about to hear it. Um, we've had clients, I have clients who've worked with me for many years, for decades now. We've known each other for a long time. So let's say they started in their 50s, now their 70s. Yeah. And their bodies are better now than they were 20 years I, ago. I'm in my early 50s and I'm much stronger now than I, I've been at any point in my life. Yes. Which speaks more to my previous exercise levels, but still, I mean... Yes, I'm, we I'm, can I'm, improve at any age. You can. That is true. All right. So what sort of issues do you see when, you're, when your clients are coming in, your older clients? What are they experiencing? Well, they're experiencing um, a life that is getting smaller and smaller because their body's capacity and abilities are getting less and less. Yes. So they they move with, you know, they have trouble moving. They're in pain. They're in discomfort. They had to give up a lot of things they like to do, yep. like gardening and traveling and uh, golf and playing with their children and the um, grandchildren and pets and so on. So they're frustrated. And it's all because the body uh, has gotten to a point where the wear and tear is taking over. Right. Okay. So... Important criteria. If, if you wanted to, if you wanted to identify the types of things that people should be striving for as they get older, mm-hmm. we could, we could enumerate them, right? There's there's a few of them. For there's s- a few of them. Strength is one, right? Strength, absolutely. What else? Strength what is what one. else is there? Agility, mm-hmm. balance. Yes. This is one big thing. It's a big one for the elderly population, and that's something that is ninety percent preventable in my mind like that's you know there are specific things that we need to do in order to preserve our balance and fitness improve, too right fitness of course yes we want to be able to do things yes 
And then, you know, everything like spirituality and, and mental focus and sociability sort of fits into all the other important issues. Yes. Okay. So one of the issues that I know that you believe in is that we have to take we have to do four things to get to the, our goals of fitness and strength. So yes. what is the what is the first one? The number one thing that you would tell people? The number one thing I would say that we need to commit okay. to our own well-being and take responsibility for it. What do you mean by that? I mean that for my own health, I'm responsible. Not the therapist that I might be working with, not right. a trainer, not my osteopath, not a physician. I am responsible. I make the choices for myself. I get well informed, but I am at the helm. I am responsible. I'm committed to me, to myself. You're leading. I'm leading. Everybody else is there to supplement and help you. Yes. Whether it's a workout buddy, whether it's your spouse, your partner, your yes. kids, your yes. siblings, your parents, your doctors, your physiotherapists. They're there to help facilitate your decisions. That's what you mean, right? Yes. Okay. What's the next most important thing? We've identified one of four. What's one of four. The second one is has to do with mindset. Okay. Because I work with a lot of people who are suffering from chronic pain for many, many years. I realized that one thing that characterizes someone who's been in pain for a long time and they cannot break through is the mindset. They have, by this point, a pain-inducing mindset. They don't believe that they can heal. They think they cannot be helped. They doubt their own cap capabilities. They don't trust that their bodies can heal. They don't trust the people they're working with for that. So all these things, if that's where the mindset is, then it doesn't matter how many exercises we're doing. Right. The mindset will always work against what we do in our bodies. So I teach my clients to go from a pain-inducing mindset to a health-promoting mindset, meaning that, now, that there, there, that is a process. You don't jump from one belief, this won't work, to, wow, it's working, I'm so happy. It doesn't work like this. So I have a very clear process. I call it the stepladder process. Okay. And I guide people. I teach them how to slowly over time shift their mindset. That is very important. Okay, and I, I would presume the first step would be sort of you have to release the negative mindset first, right? The belief mm -hmm. that if you exercise, you're not going to re-injure yourself or make mm -hmm. things worse, mm -hmm. that you're actually striving towards health. I mean, that yes. would be for somebody who's in pain, that, that's a difficult challenge. You it know? is, and it doesn't work like that. It's, it's simply to say, it's easy to say, okay, yeah, just release this. Yeah. No, we have to bring in, we have to create a process that is completely believable. All right. By the mind in small incremental steps that are the next step. Okay. I don't really believe that I'll be healed, but I can believe that I can try. Right. And that I won't make things worse by trying. Yes. So, yeah. Okay. So we, okay. So we've now identified Two. taking responsibility and mindset. What comes next? Next, this is another big one. It has to do with consistency. It has to do with doing something for your body every day doing something for your mental and emotional being every day. So do you mean it has to become a lifestyle or are you speaking yes, about something more specific? it's a change in lifestyle. Because I found when I was trying to make my changes, and, and admittedly I was doing it when I was younger, I had to conceive it as this is what I'm going to be doing 
going forward, not just for the next month, not until I lose 20 pounds, not until I fit into a size whatever, but this Mm -hmm. is what I'm going to do. Such a good point. Right? Oh, yes. People sometimes, especially when we, I have an interviewing process when I start to work with a client because not everybody is at the place where they can make such a commitment to themselves. Right. And they ask me, okay, so if I sign up for this program or this program, how long will it take? Like how, how many weeks do I have to do this for? And I tell them the truth. You will have to do these things for yourself for the rest of your life. 100%. It's funny, you know, there comes a threshold where you can only do, there's only so many hours in the day and there's only so many things you can do for your health. Mm -hmm. My wife uh, stretches out every single night. She goes on a a foam roller Mm -hmm. uh, because we do, we do some weight training. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's a bridge too far. Like, like I've already exercised so many hours. I've already prepared my own food. I'm trying to get sleep. I'm trying to do this, trying to walk and do this. I can only do so much. And I think a lot of people have that issue, right? I mean, yes. it's, it is work. I mean, like, like mm-hmm. it has to come from somewhere. There's only so many hours in the day. So if you're not sitting on the couch watching TV or reading a book, you're out walking. Well, that's time away from the other things that you're going to be doing. Yes. Okay. So now we've got three. We've got responsibility. What now? Re- responsibility and consistency. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, let's discuss what happens if you're not consistent. What, let's say if you go <laughs> off the wagon, like what happens? Well, it's, you know, for me, like it's, so much easier to do a little bit every day right. than to wait until you're in crisis. It's hard to stop a moving train. Yes. It's easier to keep a train moving at slow speed. Yes. So when you stop and start and stop and start, the starts are always hard because you have to work again against all the limitations in the body, against all the tightness in the body. And also the Clear mind- it again. And the mindset, oh, I was trying to do this. Exactly. And I gave up. I'm such a poop. I shouldn't, you know, yes. I can't. I just proven to myself I can't do it. Yes. It makes it that much harder to do it again. That much harder and you work against yourself and it's, yeah. So step four. Step four is- in order to not- get to a place where you're going to stop and start and stop and start and not know what to do is to ask for help. Yeah. When you feel you're in trouble, if you've if you've done a sequence of exercises that you're not certain about, don't ask for them to get to like three weeks of them not working for you. Something right. didn't work. Go and ask why. Because the body has a way of telling you, okay, you're trying to go this route, but let me show you a different one. Take me in this direction. So it's a feedback loop between right. a practitioner and the client and the client and his own or her own body. Right. So that's, you know, you're still the leader of your health, but having the resources around you to go and ask somebody, hey, you know, that doesn't feel right. You know, I, I, I should modify. Right. Mm-hmm. And that happens to me all the time. So I, I, I you know, I messed up. Admittedly, I used to run. I can't run anymore because I've I've got an Achilles issue. Mm. But that Achilles issue, if I let it, will impact my knees, for example, or my hips yes. because because I'm displacing. You know, my movement is slightly different because I'm compensating mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for my bad ankle. Mm-hmm. So you know, I need the guidance of somebody yes. who knows what they're doing to show me the right way to do the exercises yes. that I must do because it's part of my program. It's part of what I do. Right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what you're mm-hmm. talking about? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, yeah. I have a very nice little process for the Achilles tendon. Do you? That it doesn't have to take that long. But again, we were talking the other day about the whole body and the parts. Yeah. The part cannot get better until the whole gets better. That's what Plato said. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the Achilles tendon within a larger structure. Well, you know, unfortunately, the Achilles 
you know, it, it, so much is impacted by it, right? It's, it's, yes. you know, it's like, it's like having a rotator cuff issue in your arm. It impacts, you know, your, your mobility. It impacts your strength. It impacts, yes. you, you know, your weight bearing. So yeah, I mean, it's an issue and I, and I do do stretches. I'll be very interested <laughs> to hear which, which you, uh, we're not going to bore everybody on the radio with what Jamie should be doing to fix his Achilles, <laughs> but, but you're going to tell me what, as soon as we get I off. I will tell you. Fantastic. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today, but we're going to hear back from you next month, right? Yes. And we're going to talk about why the intention behind your workout matters so much, right? Yes. Fantastic. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss training for summer sports on The Tonic. The Benvenuto Group is an owner and developer of quality high-rise condominium and rental properties in Toronto and Montreal. The Benvenuto team is passionate about delivering quality living spaces, top lifestyle amenities, important services, and innovative design tailored specifically to its residents in every particular submarket. The Benvenuto Group seeks out the finest urban neighborhoods and designs projects to allow its residents to enjoy the benefits of both their property and the exceptional locations that they become a part of. The team surrounds itself with leading professionals and consultants and pushes them to conceive great places to live, to work, and to play. The Benvenuto Group is currently designing several new projects in Toronto, Montreal, and Chicago that will not only become exceptional places to live as an owner or as a renter, but that will deliver some of the highest levels of sustainability, energy efficiency, and comfort, and will set the standard for informed residents. For more information, please visit thebenvenuto.com. Urinary tract infections are the worst and can come back again and again, making life miserable. Utiva is a 100% natural daily supplement that stops UTIs before they start. Utiva is recommended by doctors, drug-free, and made in Canada. For an exclusive 25% discount, visit us at utivahealth.com. That's U-T-I-V-A-Health.com. Or call us at 1-888-622-3613. That's one 1- Triple eight six two two three six one three. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. Welcome back. Our next guest, Kathleen Trotter, is a fitness expert, nutritionist, life coach, monthly guest on BT Montreal and Rogers Ottawa. She's also the author of books, Finding Your Fit and the new Your Fittest Future Self. Welcome back to the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm in my summer running skirt. Yes. Perfect for our topic today. Exactly. Nobody can see it, but yes, you're all decked out. Some people are going to try some new sports or activities or pastimes this summer, and it might be swimming. And they may decide to dive right in, both literally and figuratively. I love that, yes. But it's that's not necessarily a great idea, right? Yeah, I think if everyone listening gets one main takeaway from today, it's that you can't go from zero to 100. And that's with any type of activity, with running, with walking, with swimming, with tennis, with golf. You know, the body has this beautiful ability to adapt to the stimulus that you give it. But if you give it too much stimulus, it will get injured. So think progressive um, adaptation, progressive overload. So, you know, don't go and swim for two hours, you know, swim for 20 minutes. Don't go and golf all day, right? Warm yourself up. Exactly. And this pertains to people who are taking up something new or even something that they've done before, but it's seasonal, right? For sure. Like I'm a runner and I run all year Right. and I actually injured my calf. This is like a 
true story because I went from sort of running four miles and then I went out and I was like, oh, it's a beautiful day. I'll do eight. And then I hurt my soleus and I actually couldn't walk for about 48 hours. I was like limping around. So even if you do the sport already, you can't just double... Um, the time that you're putting on your body, it's a lot of stress. And as I said, you know, that stimulus response is a really tricky balance. If you give yourself too little stimulus, you know, you're sitting on the sofa, you get less fit. If you give yourself just a little bit extra, then you get more fit. If you give yourself too much, that's when, you know, you can't move for days or months and you're injured. And the worst thing for any workout routine is to be injured, right? Or demotivated or um, feel too sore. So you want to slow little baby steps. So... Let's play Goldilocks. How do you get it just right? <laughs> I think you know yourself. That's a good. That's actually a really good question. I think you ask yourself when in the past you've had the best luck with these sports and how much you've done then. Um, you ask yourself how active you've been all year. And you ask yourself if you've been doing the motions that are going to prepare you for the sport. You know, one of my favorite lines is, you don't run to get in shape, you get in shape to run. And that goes with every sport. You can't just, you know, use golfing or tennis to get in shape. You actually have to to get in shape for those particular sports. Can you do it simultaneously? Because I find like when I start something, and let's take running as an example. When, when I was running, you start off slow, you start building into it. So you're, you're building your stamina for mm-hmm. the longer runs mm-hmm. and, you're, and you may be doing collateral exercises to do mm-hmm. that. But you, you kind of have to do it at the same time, don't you? Like as you're going along? Oh, absolutely. So you would do, you know, let's say, let's take running or tennis. Yeah. You, know, you might do that three times a week. It's pr- fairly high impact, which is right. really great to strengthen your bones. But let's say with tennis, it requires a lot of multi-directional motion. So then when you're at the gym, you might decide to do multi-directional lunges for example, or even just a multi-directional balance exercise. So if you imagine you're standing in the middle of a clock and then you could either lunge forward to 12 o'clock or just tap your toe to 12 o'clock and then come up into a single leg balance and then tap your toe out to three o'clock or lunge to like a hockey lunge to to three o'clock and then come back to a balance and then lunge backwards or tap your foot backwards. So you're training your brain to go in those different uh, motions. And then you'd also want to make sure that in your flexibility routine, you're doing things that stretch out your hips, stretch out your calves, um, maybe do some type of fascial stretching as well. So your body is really used to to moving multidimensionally. So then um, when you go to get that ball, you don't tear something, right? Right. So, so like for court sports, you know, like like when you're in the middle, running, it's linear, right? Yes. But, but like tennis, you are, you're stopping or yeah. basketball, for example, is another, for sure, yeah. is another example of a sport where you're you're running full speed and then you have to stop. stop yes. Or, or you're changing directions or, or you know, you're you're moving side to side in a way that isn't natural. Uh, yeah, so uh, basketball, let's take that. That's an actually yeah. great example of, with that, I would worry about uh, one of the weak links is when you land, especially with women because yep. of what's called our cue angle in our hips, our knee often caves in, yep. which then can cause a lot of knee ankle hip issues. Now that right. can happen with running and tennis as well, but we don't have as much force when we land in those sports. Yep. So if you're playing basketball, you would want to make sure that you're doing exercises to strengthen your glutes, to strengthen your knees, to strengthen your foot, looking at that angle that alignment, right? So thinking about some of the weak links for the sport. Baseball, you know, yeah. you might want to work on your rotator cuff because if you're throwing the ball over and over again, a lot of times you the one tear is that. Right, or lats because you're, you're you know, with your swing when you're Exactly, at the yeah, exactly. Or if you are somebody who, again, we'll go back to tennis. Yep. Let's say you're really poor, you don't have a lot of um, rotation in your upper back. I'm sitting in my chair rotating like yeah. people can see me, they can't. But, you know, 
you could do this test when you sit at home is rotate to the right with your upper back, like sitting tall, rotate yep. to the left, and then see, do I rotate more easily to one side? And then the side you rotate less easily to, That's the do one you need some to work stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was working with a client the other day and he plays tennis and we were doing this exercise and I'd never noticed that when he rotated his pelvis and he kept his feet still, he could hardly rotate his pelvis to the right at all without the rest of his body moving. Mm-hmm. And he's a very good tennis player. So we worked on that for a couple of weeks, like just simply getting him to rotate standing, keeping his shoulders still and his feet still and rotating his hips to the right. And he did that for a couple of weeks. And he says that he has never played a better game of tennis because he can actually get power with his rotation of his hips now. And another sport that involves rotation is golf, right? Oh, yes. And that really is, it's rotation of your pelvis, but it's also rotation of the sort of like thigh bone in right. in your hip. And the yep. trick with golf is if you can't rotate through your hips, you end up just yanking through your lower back. And if you love to golf and you hurt your lower back, you're kind of out for, you know, at least a couple of weeks. So I think of the problem with a lot of this stuff is people are like, oh, it's not that much fun. I just want to go out and play my sport. And yeah. I really try to encourage people to know that, you know, if you love your sport, this is even more of a reason to do it. That's that. That's the self-talk you use to get yourself to do it. Like, I love running. I don't particularly love, you know, stretching and rolling. Yep. But I make myself do those exercises because I know that running is hard on my body. And every time my foot lands on the ground, it's like six times my body weight. Of, of all the things that I've done, running was by far the hardest on my yeah. body. So uh, I have to make sure I'm strong enough to be able to run yeah. because I love it and I yeah. want to run for the rest of my life. So if people are out there listening and they're golfers, for example, people love their golf. I have clients who, you know, die to golf. But if you are skipping everything that you need to do to be a good golfer, like not only is your game going to suffer, but you are actually going to possibly get injured and then not be able to play, right? Right. You mentioned rollers, which brings us to cycling because, uh, you know, spinning or cycling, whatever it is you're going to be doing are really hard on on the thighs and and the hips. So rollers really do come into play. Yeah, I think the the thing with cycling that I always like to encourage people is make sure you strengthen your hamstrings because a lot of people who cycle, they just push down on the pedal stroke. They don't pull up. up. So you can do that while you're actually cycling. You can can practice pulling your heel up, um, but you can actually in the gym also strengthen your hamstrings. So if you lie on your back and put your feet up on a stability ball, for example, lift your hips up and roll the ball in and out. That's a great exercise to strengthen. And you're going to feel so much stronger going up hills, uh, so much faster. You're not losing half the pedal stroke. And then you also really want to focus with cycling on posture because think about how much you're bending forward. And if you're somebody who sits at work and you're bending forward at work and then, you know, maybe you're watching TV and then you're cycling, that's like an entire day all of rounding forward. So, you know, when you go to the gym, work on your upper back, work on your core, work on your neck position. Well, core is so crucial to Yes, with all sports, but yeah, definitely cycling. You don't want to fall off the bike. Yeah. But your point about rollers, you know, I like to always tell tell people that you can actually use what's called the stick. So I don't know if people at home know what we're talking about. A foam roller is like sort of a long cylinder. Looks like a noodle, but it's firm. Yeah, exactly. Like a cannelloni, a giant one. And you use it to roll out your muscles. And it's a fantastic tool. But a lot of people don't like it because you have to get down on the ground. So if you're at work or um, it can be uncomfortable because you have to sort of hold yourself off in your hands. It's almost like a workout in itself to roll out your body. So I like what's called the stick and it's literally it looks like um almost like a baking stick or something yeah. one of those like rolling pins yep. but it has little knobbies in it right and you can do it when you're sitting so if you're watching tv if you're at work you can just pull it out of a desk drawer yep. and it's much 
um, more inconspicuous, you know, and it's also you don't have to get down to the ground. So if you're wearing, you know, nice clothes or for some people getting down on the ground is actually a lot of work. It's a workout right. in itself. So the stick is great. And um, the little yoga tune-up balls are really good. They're sort of like a, a tennis ball, but slightly firmer. Yep. And you can use them against a wall. Yep. So again, if you're somebody who doesn't want to get down and off the ground, I use all of those things. I use the roller and the stick and the and the little balls. But I'm also a trainer and slightly obsessive about this stuff. So, yep. you know, probably one of those tools. Yeah. So when you're talking about the, the exercises that you need to do in order to to get you to the place where you want to be mm-hmm. for the sport or activity. Mm-hmm. Is that something you can do at home or, you know, in the gym? Do we do it every day? I think both. I mean, you can pick, especially the stretches. If you're really, really um, having a weak link in one of your mobility areas, like your shoulders, or your hips, that's probably something you want to do every day. You know, if you're watching Netflix at night or in the morning when, before you get out of bed. And then the more dynamic strength exercises you want to incorporate into your gym workout. So, as you know, we were talking about those lunges, right. uh, bent over rows for your posture, any of that rotator cuff stuff, you could do that at the gym. So, yeah. I would say just assess your body and think about what your sport needs your body to be able to do and what your body actually does and then work on those weak links. Fantastic. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. Yeah. But you're going to come back next month, right? Absolutely. And we're going to talk about training your brain patterns. One of my favorite topics. We'll be right back on The Tonic. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their liquid greens chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy. Enjoy the detox. Enjoy the great taste. Purely natural liquid greens. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. My next guest is local yogi Tracy Sagrati. She has a post-secondary education in biology, molecular biology, nursing, acute care, public health education, and Swedish and Thai massage. She specializes in training yoga teachers, and she's the co-founder of Evolve Retreat, a phenomenal opportunity for women to celebrate and grow together in Costa Rica. For more information, visit EvolveRetreat.org. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. I'm especially excited about this episode. Yeah, today we're going to address an issue that I struggle with, and that is self-loathing. And... and, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and through through mindfulness and a concept called self-compassion, you're going to tell me how I should, you know, cut that crap out and be okay. a little kinder 
to myself, right? Uh, okay, well, I have to tell you, I was, I, I'm shocked to hear you say this because when I was emailing you my idea, right. I was actually nervous to send this one to you. Why? I, I don't know. Like, it was one that I wanted to discuss for a while, and I thought, oh, I don't know. Is Jamie going to think, like, is he going to be like, we don't need self-compassion? Um, no, so we lo- do. I love that you just said that. that no, we do. Nobody, nobody, nobody's harder than me on me. Oh, maybe, my God. I'm so excited. Me. Wow. Wow. I was, I was super nervous, but now I'm just pumped. Let's go. Okay. So, so what is this concept of self-compassion? Okay. So basically what it is, is it's the essence of it is to learn to treat yourself with the same patience, dignity, respect, caring, love, or kindness that you would someone that you love, like a dear friend, you know, someone and someone that you really respect. It recognizes, you know, it really recognizes uh, imperfection. And it's when we treat ourselves with self-compassion, it's really about learning to respond to yourself with kindness rather than shaming yourself or, or rather than going into self-loathing, which you talked about at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, I think the self-loathing, I have a love-hate relationship with myself, you know, like there's yeah. times when I think I'm awesome and then, you know, oh, I'm really, you know, but if the wind shifts, oh, I'm really not that awesome. And I think a yeah. lot of people sort of operate on that. You know, we have our ups and downs, yeah. maybe, maybe not to the extremes that I sometimes do, Yeah. but I think all of us are hard on ourselves from time to time. So I think no. this is helpful. No, absolutely. We're all hard on ourselves. We're all hard on ourselves. And, and you know, that that thing that we do where we kind of shame ourselves or we get self-critical is, um, you know, is where I think uh, where we lose the fact that we're human beings. We lose the fact that uh, we come into this world and, you know, like it or not, we don't really know what we're doing. And so to expect ourselves to get things perfect or to get things right or, you know, to execute things in the way that we expect ourselves to every time is just, um, it's unrealistic. It's not realistic in any way at all. Right. And I think in the end, it, it can create a situation where you, you create inertia, you know, like you're, you're, you're afraid to do things and put yourself out there because you're afraid of failure because that's, that's how you see yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it's difficult to get things done. Also, you know, I think our current culture uh, and its dependence on social media uh, sort of amplifies the feelings of negativity. You know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of critics out there who you know uh, yeah, feel they have license to sort of give you their opinion on what it is you're doing. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Oh my God! Sort of, well, you just said two things that I need to like. I feel like there's so much coming up for me right now. Okay, so first, okay, just just to your comment on inertia. We can definitely go into inertia, but I think there are actually two polarities that can happen. Okay. So we can either go into inertia. That's just one of the polarities. The other polarity that we can go into is sort of type A overachieving so that we can prove to the world I am good enough, I am okay, I am perfect, whatever. Which isn't necessarily entirely negative. It's not, well, well this, is, this is where the problem comes in because initially it actually, that drive or that will or yep. that discipline, right? Those are the three things really we're, we're talking about here. That can initially actually allow us to be really successful. I agree. Right, and it can allow us to work on things. Because, I mean, again, just going back to the idea of common humanity, it can allow us to work on things that we need to work on because we are imperfect. Uh, it's just when we're so... when 
when that tendency is so extreme that we can't accept our imperfections or, or where we can't allow ourselves to rest, uh, that it becomes a problem. And then, you know, just to the social media thing, because this is the second piece that you brought up, I think part of the issue with social media, too, is that because people are interfacing with technology rather than the person that's in front of them, it's almost like there's this license to say things that you would never have the courage to say to someone to their face. And I couldn't agree with you more. It is is created uh, an ethos of there's a lack of compassion there because you don't you don't you don't see people as people anymore you see them as their monikers on screen or whoever or somebody who has an opposing opinion from your little tribal view so so what does self-compassion look like practically though Okay, so what it looks like practically, because you need people to be able to do it, there are some key acts. The first act is acknowledgement, mm-hmm. and that lends itself to, and I'm going to unpack these for you in a minute, sure. that lends itself to acceptance, accountability, empathy, and then finally mindfulness. And, you know, acknowledgement is really about, uh, you know, when we look at somebody else, we need to, and, and, and we connect to them, right? Mm-hmm. You need to be able to acknowledge the genuine pain that they might be in in a given situation. And so acknowledgement towards ourselves is really about coming into the present moment with yourself and acknowledging when you're in genuine pain over something, whatever that situation is. Self-awareness goes a long way. If you're, if you're imperfect, but you can recognize exactly where you're at, yeah. I, think, I think a lot of people will be more forgiving of you if you at least are aware of it. Exactly, right? And this is and this is and that leads to the next thing. It's like acceptance and accountability. Just holding honestly the mistakes that you've made or the fact that, you know, sometimes we're unable to emotionally regulate ourselves. So we end up behaviorally acting out, right? Yep. And so to be able to take accountability for that and also recognize that okay, this is something this doesn't this doesn't, you know, not to imprison ourselves in that identity, right? It doesn't mean that just because you did one act or one behavior at one period of time that you're going to be like that forever, no. right? It's, it's just passing waves. And so, so we, we look at those key actions, right? And then there are three sort of facets of self-compassion. So the first is to really work on and cultivate self-kindness. And this is with regard to the way that you talk to yourself. Right. Right. So, you know, practically speaking, you're not going to get it right every time because you're human. But it means that every time you notice that you're in your head, you've got this whole dialogue going on where you're shaming yourself or abusing yourself or, you know, just acting like a total jerk to yourself, you literally stop and you just express kindness towards yourself, right? You express kindness that, and it could be something like, you know, the kindness might be, you might notice that you've, you know, maybe acted like a jerk in a situation. And the way that you would express kindness to yourself is just to recognize that, okay, well, you didn't actually have the ability to act in any other way at that moment because you were totally overwhelmed, maybe because you didn't have enough sleep or because you have so many pressures at work. So you can just express to yourself, okay, I'm really overwhelmed right now. And that meant that I couldn't regulate myself. So just that kindness kind of, it allows you to decrease the pressure that you're putting on yourself. Right? Uh, it's funny because I have those episodes where I, I, you know, I may literally say it out loud, how I yeah. feel about myself. Yeah. It's usually when wow. I've fallen into my patterns, wow. like, you know, I'm a world-class procrastinator or I can act 
you know, with sort of visceral anger quite quickly. Yeah. And those are my patterns. And, you know, I get very hard on myself after it to the point yeah. where I'm literally saying it out loud. So that's very good advice. Right. Just, yeah, just, it's just approaching yourself with kindness. Sometimes your capacity to cope has been overwhelmed because you're a human being. And that's kind of the next piece right. is to really orient yourself around the fact that you know, we're all human. We're all imperfect. We all make mistakes sometimes. You're not the only one suffering. And and really the key when we make mistakes is is to hold that and understand that mistakes can be re- repaired through that acceptance and accountability, right? Yep. Everything so is fixable. Everything is fixable, right? If you make the effort, everything is, is fixable. And to, so really orient yourself around that. And then, you know, the next piece is mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really about allowing yourself to be open to the experience in the present moment. You know, and this is something you and I talk about a lot on this show. Yeah. Um, but it's about, you know, not repressing it, not judging it, not criticizing it, just offering yourself acceptance and curiosity. And, and you know, as you build your capacity to do that, because it is something, it's like a muscle, you know, if you're working your biceps, if you just work your biceps you know, with one session of personal training, not a lot's going to happen. Agreed. Right? But if yep. you do it a little bit every day, you're going to come into this place where you recognize that your thoughts and feelings, they come and they go. Right? They come and they go, and they don't necessarily mean anything that's actually true. And so you can stop identifying with them in the same way, which leads to, you know, less shaming, less self-criticism, and ultimately less self-loathing. We've talked about the circumstances where self-compassion comes into play. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and you've given us some good advice on on how to affect it. Mm -hmm. Why do you think we need to do it? Like, why is that so important? Why is it so critical right now? Yeah. Um, well, you know, it kind of kind of makes me go back into the social media thing. I mean, we are living at a time where things like anxiety, depression, loneliness, uh, they're, they're reaching epidemic proportions, right? Yep. And, and I mean, there's so much evidence for this, so your listeners can, can just, you know, you can do a um, scholarly. I, 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 I'm not sure they need to Google it. I, right. I, I, they're I feeling think, it. I think they know it. They're feeling it. And so there's such great research to show that self-compassion is actually directly linked to decreased anxiety and depression. So it's, it's going to increase your your it's going to improve your mood. It's going to improve your overall well-being. You know, the the other thing is it also makes you more resilient, right? So there's lots of research to show that those who practice self-compassion are actually more resilient. And part of that comes from the fact that they're able to let their feelings and thoughts come up, acknowledge them, be with them, feel the feelings without behaviorally acting them out, right? So their window of tolerance gets broader. And because of that, they're actually digesting their life as it happens. So it's not leading to uh, stuff that's built up over a period of time so that they get to a point where they're just uh, actually unable to cope. Fantastic. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have. Will you come back next month? Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Thank you so much. And we're going to discuss gratitude next month, right? Gratitude, baby. Yeah. Okay. We've got to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. The Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. 
They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of The Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighborhoods in Toronto. It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Shauna Lindzen is a registered dietitian with over 25 years of nutrition experience. She worked as a clinical dietitian at Sunnybrook Health Science Center in nephrology and neurosurgery for 12 years. Since leaving the clinical setting, she's been working in the community as a consulting dietitian. She's a program developer and nutrition leader at Wellspring Cancer Support Network and enjoys seeing clients virtually and doing corporate wellness lectures. Most recently, she's developed cooking demonstrations that combine scientific knowledge with culinary education for her clientele. Her demonstrations are unique, informative, delicious, and a lot of fun. You can find a list of her nutrition classes and recipes at shaunalinzen.com. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for having me. So today we're, we're going to discuss a little bit of a phenomenon, and that is every single fast food restaurant of Canadian origin now is scrambling to put new products on their menu, and they're all essentially the same thing, and that is Beyond Meat Products. So there's a certain hamburger joint, which will remain nameless, that has the burgers. There's a certain coffee place that has breakfast sausage, which is made out of it. And I think there's even a third one, which is doing a different kind of meat. So what is it and, and, and what's going on? So it's essentially a burger made in a lab. Okay. So it is made It's a up, clone? It's a clone. It's so, soil and green? <laughs> what they try to do actually... Soil and green is people. Did you know that? Soil and green? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So what they actually do is they take pea protein extract, like an isolate of peas, like green yeah. peas, yep. and they mix it with water, they extract the protein out, and you're left with pea protein isolate. This is a similar phenomenon to soy protein isolate, which came out in the 70s. Okay. And since all the research isn't going in the, into the direction of processed soy, we want to eat whole soy, Right. Um, they've decided to use peas because peas are high in protein. Yes. But with a big capital B, what do they do to turn it into an edible burger? Well, they mix it with different things like canola oil, coconut oil um, to give it that mouthfeel. The red color is actually beet color. And if you've tried it, they say when you cook it, it actually bleeds like a burger, but it bleeds beet juice. Hmm. Interesting, huh? Yeah. So should we be concerned about this? Well, to be honest with you, yes, to some extent. So I'm kind of going to go through the I guess the advantages and disadvantages of eating a burger like this. Okay. So if you are a meat eater and you want to eat more plant-based protein, you may think, oh, this is a really good option, but not so much. 
because it is called Beyond Meat Burger. It's not called a veggie burger. There aren't veggies in it. Sorry, you know, there isn't meat in it. You mean there's no meat, and guess what? There's no veggies except pea. So it's not like eating a veggie burger or making a veggie burger. It's not going in the direction of eating more plant-based foods. No, it's it, well. Okay, so here's the thing: if you go to plant-based restaurants, for example, in、yes. the city, there are some who are just making creative foods out of vegetables. Good、there、point, are、yeah. there are others who are trying to approximate other types of food by chemicals and and processes, so that, for example, you can have a quote unquote cheese sauce on your burger, right? So the burger is vegetarian, and the sauce is not really made from cheese; it's made from cashews or whatever it is they're doing, and they're trying to approximate the texture, mouth feel. And flavor, and that's where it loses me because because if I want the burger, I'm going to have the burger. Exactly, and you just said the perfect buzzword. You said the buzzword chemicals. Yeah. So this isn't food. This is processed. Well,、food. it is, but it's heavily processed. Just be, just heavily. Be, just because it doesn't have meat in it doesn't mean that it isn't full of、uh, want- full of other additives or or things that are manipulating the molecular structure of what it is you're ingesting. Exactly, and the main thing that it has that meat doesn't inherently have. Is sodium,、right. so they add quite a bit of salt to make it tasty. Yeah, and、um, if you compare a meat burger and this Beyond Meat burger,、right. you actually get the same nutritional profile because they tried to mimic a meat burger. So you get the same calories. You actually get the same grams of fat. So comparatively speaking, each one has around two hundred and eighty calories. Right. Each one has about. Twenty to twenty-three grams of fat, same difference, and the sodium is higher in the Beyond Meat Burger than just a regular meat burger if you don't add sodium. I've got, you know, philosophically, I've got nothing against trying to approximate meat. Like it's not for me. I don't personally like it, but I'm not against it philosophically as long as you're doing it with your eyes open, right? Like if you're think if you're buying these thinking that you're eating healthier, I think. That's incorrect. So, if, if you're buying it because ethically you don't want to eat meat, then by all means go ahead and do it. If you're doing it because you're a vegetarian and you have fond memories of eating meat and you want that experience again, go for it. But you're not eating healthier. Okay, so let's talk about that. Who is this targeted for? So my first thought as a registered dietitian is, okay, if let's say you're a vegan, right?、Yeah. You're on the road. You're driving to California. You're driving a, a long distance. You've got your edamame and your carrot sticks and your、okay. hummus already. To be honest with you, it's it's interesting because if you are health conscious, you are typically bringing your own snacks, creating your own meals. But sometimes you just want Want an option other than that wilted salad? Do you think that's、say. what it is? No, I think it's the Las Vegas of food. In other words, in Las Vegas, you can go see a, pr- a pretend Eiffel Tower. And I think if you're going to be, you know, dabbling or pretending that you're eating healthy and a vegetable-forward diet, you might go for one of these. Yeah,、burgers. so it's got a sexy so, little. So slant you're, to you're it. going to if, you, if you're if you're not going to go to Paris to see the Eiffel Tower, you go to Vegas to see it and you gamble a bit. And by the way, you know it's kind of the same experience as seeing the Eiffel Tower, but it's not. <laughs> I hear you,、mm-hmm. and that is kind of the sex appeal of it, like、yeah. a sexy way to look at it. Well, who, but, who else do you think is is having these? Like, who is it aimed for? I think it's aimed for two populations: the person who has no option. Right, like、yeah. if you are vegan, gluten free, all of the kind of vegan, gluten free. Let's just say. Can I tell you why that's wrong? 
Why? Because I don't think there's enough of those people that that fast it's food. It's a small jo- population. It's a very small cohort. But Jamie, when the burger came out at a fast food restaurant, they ran out. They didn't just run out. So much of it was being used by the fast food restaurants that you actually couldn't buy it in the store. Cool, they were, huh? they, were, they ran out. Supply and demand. Yes. So there is a demand out there. Okay. So who is it? So I think personally, it's people who were curious, who wanted to try it. I went out and tried it. Yeah. And I I eat a, a round a well rounded diet. I'm right. not vegan. I'm not vegetarian. I eat everything. So I think the target population is for number one, the vegan on the road that doesn't want a wilted salad and wants some protein. So I think they will try it and have it once in a while. And I think the second population are people who are thinking about going plant-based, want to reduce their intake of meat, and still want that texture of meat. Some vegans don't want that texture. They're not used to it. They haven't had that texture in 20 years, Right. right? Like a hamburger. Right. So we're transitioning vegetarians and vegans, <laughs> but not transitioning in, in in the sexual sense. But those who those who are, are untethering from meat, but still kind of need the meat experience. Yeah, but unfortunately, uh-huh. the bottom line to me is it's a processed food. It goes through a lab. It is pea protein put together with different oils, put together with um, some beet juice extract, some yeast extract, natural flavor, don't know what that means, potato starch, and it's just a conglomeration of things. If you ask me what my ideal veggie burger would be... Yeah. What, what is your ideal veggie burger? I have a great one I make. I actually do this in my cooking Is it black demos. beans? Is it quinoa? What Are is it? Are you ready for this? Sure. It's black beans, which I think is essential because yeah. they're soft and they give the color. Yeah. It is broccoli. It has Montreal steak spice in it, which adds to the umami Umami, flavor. And some Parmesan cheese, some breadcrumbs, gluten-free or not. So it's not vegan, it's vegetarian. It's vegetarian. I could make it vegan by doing a flax egg because there are, I think, three eggs in my recipe. And portobello mushrooms. Yeah. So you've got all of the thick, rich taste. So you've got your broccoli, you've got um, everything in there. That's my ideal um, burger. Because how long, okay, how long does it take to make those patties, though? Ten minutes. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually um, making them in a few days for a cooking demo, and people crave them, and guess what I top them with? A know. sriracha mayo. And you can do that with veganase. I could make those burgers vegan, no problem. But to scale that, yeah, right, yeah. it's too hard. There's 35,000 um, restaurants, grocery stores carrying this Beyond Meat Burger. So this is a scalable way to get a non-meat burger out there. Yeah. And, you know, if you're already going to a fast food joint, you're making a decision about, you know, what you want to have. And that's no slag against them. I have it. I have it from time to time. And you know what, Jamie? The interesting thing is all the condiments they put on it, it pretty well tastes like a burger. If you put some ketchup, mayo, all that stuff on it, it's burger-esque. Burger-esque. Nice word, huh? I just yeah. made that up. Look in the dictionary. I don't right. know if that's a word. Well, it is now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a word on the tonic. <sighs> All right. So, okay. So, let's. what's the verdict? Are they okay or are they not okay? They're okay once in a while. They're still an ultra-processed food, which we should be eating less of, right? So, yeah. once a month, fine. I, I think weekly, yeah. I don't think it's it's a weekly thing. Once a month, it sounds good. Perfect. Thank you for coming on the show today. That's all the time we have. Thanks, Jamie. You'll be back next month to discuss health washing, right? Yes, absolutely. Look forward to it. 
Thank you for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can follow us on Facebook at The Tonic Talk Show or at Jamie Busson on Instagram. For great articles about health and wellness, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. Tonic's available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighbourhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or coming on the show, you can email me at jamie at tonictoronto.com. Please join us next week on The Tonic when we'll discuss all sorts of health and wellness issues. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.